The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a and b with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Nano Interactive's recent data showed that 70% of UK customers now regularly hide their personal data when online. And as the government pushes through its data protection and digital information bill and its online safety bill, marketers need to be prepared for the post-cookie apocalypse, or they risk being left behind and their ad effectiveness will suffer. Today, we're going to talk about the post-cookie world and what this means for advertisers and marketers and how it stands to affect the customer experience. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Carl White, co-founder and group CEO at Nano Interactive. Carl, welcome to the show. Hi, Greg. Great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this topic with you. Definitely timely, definitely a lot of a lot of people still trying to figure out what to do here. So I'm, I'm glad we'll be to diving in deep here. Um, before we do that, though, why don't you start with, give a little background on yourself as well as what uh, Nano Interactive does. Yeah, so I have uh, 20 plus years leading digital marketing companies. And prior to that was a, a magazine publisher. And Nano was founded in 2014. And we're a live targeting platform that connects advertisers to users in the moment that they're kind of receptive to the message. And the platform analyzes intent and the context of the content that the users are viewing, along with kind of data on how well ads have performed in the past. And what that means is that we don't use any form of identifier that can be tied to the individual, whether that's cookies or fingerprinting or email addresses or phone numbers. We don't do any of those. And that means that we don't do any profiling or people-based targeting at all. And really, our solution has only become possible as a result of advances in AI and machine learning. And it gives advertisers a chance to build campaigns without 
compromising privacy. So we work with a number of top agencies, almost all of them actually, and leading brands including Microsoft, Volkswagen, McDonald's, and also um, you know bodies where some of these kind of privacy issues are particularly sensitive. So UK governments, for example. Yeah, yeah. great. So yeah, this is um, let's let's dive in here. And so you know, most marketers and listeners to the show certainly are aware of the coming whatever you want to call it, the cookie apocalypse or or whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, the fact that we're still talking about this, I think, points to the fact that well, a few things. One, marketers aren't prepared enough for it, even if they are aware that it's happening. And and two, there are questions about what being prepared even means sometimes. And and three there are legitimate questions about what the omni-channel personalized customer experience means in this post-cookie world, because that's so important to uh, to the future of, of brands as well. So there's probably a few other things uh, we could talk about here as well, but you know, we'll, we'll focus on, on those three. So let, let's start with what it means to be prepared. So starting there, uh, what are the big challenges that a brand needs to understand and account for here? And what is a first party data strategy? Or how does a, um, you know, first party data strategy encompass these details? Yeah, I mean, you know, the part of the problem is that cookies have come to encompass so many different uses. Um, And it's not just targeting, but it's also measurements, um, you know, and not to mention kind of identity and user level tracking. So Three quarters of marketers are still heavily reliant on cookies, according to research. So it's a real challenge for some brands uh, that's difficult to put a monetary value on. Although publishers have seen the kind of loss of cookie signal impact their advertising yields by kind of 40, 45% in the last 18 months. So, you know, it's clearly a challenge. And then, you know, there's a kind of interesting uh, comparison with what happened when Apple made tracking IDs for in-app advertising uh, opt-in rather than opt-out. And about three quarters of people actually opted out. And as a result of that, you know, people like Facebook took a very, very significant revenue hit of, you know, circa $10 billion, according to some estimates. So, you know, there's a, I think there's been a little bit of an underestimation of the size of the challenge. In terms of first-party data, I mean, you know, I mean, you're talking about replacing a kind of shared ecosystem-wide data set. And, you know, that might mean using first-party data in conjunction with some kind of cookie replacement. And those replacements often involve gathering emails or phone numbers or some other marker of identity. And it seems to me that, you know, some of those more personal data points uh, or some of those data points are more personal than the cookie ever was. And, you know, I think we've got to ask our, ourselves a question as to whether those cookie replacements are really viable um, in the long term. And so that puts the pressure back, I think, on the advertiser to to take a look at the first party data that they have and try and kind of use techniques, you know, modeling techniques and kind of new techniques that are starting to become available to to scale up that data and find ways to make it more useful and more viable, looking for attributes you know, of your kind of ideal customer and then scaling that up using new technologies. And yeah. we think that, you know, it's going to be the whole area of privacy for kind of targeting digital advertising is going to continue to evolve. And so privacy will stay central to the debate. So you've got to make sure that you'd think long-term and that the cookie replacements and the first party 
replacements are both scalable and viable. Yeah, yeah. So those those brands that are, let's say they're they're considered prepared for the the post cookie world. You know what what are they doing right now? And you know, also given the fact that cookies aren't gone yet, so you know they're still they're still technically viable. But you know what what is a prepared brand doing? And you know what, what do they look like right now? It's a little bit of a cliche, um, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, test and learn is the key. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the thing is to go in with your eyes open. You know, some of the solutions that seem at first like the easiest and that offer the strongest sense of um, continuity are actually ones that we should be more worried about. You know, if you think of kind of IP addresses, fingerprinting, location-based targeting, mobile IDs, you know, they're, they're some of the... There's some of the methods that are kind of being clamped down on. And, you know, I think there's strong evidence now from the consumer base that that they really are taking steps to avoid being trapped. Our own research had something like 70% of UK consumers taking some kind of action to avoid being trapped on a weekly basis. So I think, first of all, there has to kind of be a move away from this kind of profiling approach, the people-based approach, and to start to look at kind of post-cookie and post-cookie solutions and maybe post-ID solutions a little bit further down the line, a little bit longer term. We have something called Intent Personas where we target specific demographics without cookies or IDs or profiling. And that uses machine learning and contextual information that we have. And then we verify that information against a panel of real people. And it's this evolution, I think, that is going to kind of be the way forward in the future, you know, machine learning and generative AI are massive topics for this year. But, you know, we just have to make sure that it doesn't be, you know, it isn't the the kind of um, black box that it was before. Somewhat of a black box has been the problem with digital advertising before. So, you know, I think AI-led contextual targeting can deliver performance without compromising on transparency. Yeah, because I I wanted to ask you, you know, the moving to a first party or zero party data solely brings certainly some challenges. And, you know, is that even, is that something that's even possible to, to only use those types of data or, you know, I know there's other solutions. There's like data clean rooms, like shared clean rooms, you know, those kinds of things too. There's what you just mentioned, which is using other methods. Uh, You know, so is it possible or realistic for a company to simply say, we're just going to stop using third party, we're only going to use first and zero party and be, o- be okay with that? Or do they, are they going to have to figure out some, you know, some other ways to augment that? Well, in the long run, they're definitely going to have to figure that out. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, if you take something like clean rooms, you know, they're functioning by kind of stitching together IDs um, and user attributes and, that's often based on email. And and ultimately, you have the same effect of profiling and tracking users wherever they are and whatever they're doing. So, um, you know, how sustainable is that? I mean, I think the clean room idea of kind of sustaining privacy of data and not kind of sharing that universally is a great way of, of tackling the challenge that cookies always had and publishers always found that very difficult. I mean, I think a bigger win for an advertiser is to take their first party data and become accustomed to modeling it in order to scale it, you know, I mean, we've successfully modeled first-party data into identity-free environments. And so you end up getting scale and privacy. But, you know, customers are, are more informed than ever. And, and you know, they, they're kind of 
looking at the next privacy frontier. And I think email and and phone uh, information, mobile numbers, you know, could be part of that. Looking at managing risk and long-term viability, I think non-people-based signals is where I would be focusing time and attention on the client side. I mean, clean rooms can be part of the answer. Scaling first-party data can be part of, part of the answer. You know, AI-led contextual targeting can be part of the answer. There's no one simple, simple answer to this problem right now. Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Partner Hero. Customer service outsourcing has long been available mainly to large enterprise businesses with long-term contracts and onerous procurement processes. Partner Hero is challenging business as usual and bringing the benefits of outsourcing to small and medium businesses as well as startups. With short, flexible contracts and fast ramp-up times, Partner Hero is making customer support outsourcing a viable option for small and medium businesses and startups. It's perfect for companies with seasonality expecting a temporary spike in volume or that simply need to scale up. And their focus on quality means your customers will get an experience that feels like it comes from your team. If you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your company that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. Head on over to partnerhero.com slash agile, that's partnerhero.com slash A-G-I-L-E, to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from the Agile brand and the way of the setup fee. Now let's get back to the show. You, you touched on it a little bit, but it, could you just clarify a little bit more when, when you mention identity-free you know, solutions and things like that? What, what exactly does that mean? Well, that's, I mean, identity-free solutions is looking at, you know, the, the context of the environment um, and the semantics and the real meaning and understanding of that content, whether it's video, audio, or, or, or web-based. Yeah. And so what we will do, for example, is, um, you know, we look at the kind of the underlying emotional kind of resonance of that content and the kind of how that might impact the user. So we're looking at the real underlying meaning, not just the keywords. And we're looking at, you know, how that might track back to an intent. And, you know, that means that we end up having some quite complex algorithms that um, are kind of calculating the impact of that contextual environment. And, you know, it's only really been possible recently to do that. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the current state of preparation here we i think we touched on a little bit in the beginning but you know i think i might know um some of the answer here already but from what you're seeing are are brands ready for this post cookie world yeah i mean we did a piece of research where we we looked at the forecast shift from audience to contextual spend and the large advertising groups they were suggesting that would be around about eight to ten percent of their spend this year which is not insignificant, but you know, interestingly, cookie deprecation was their number one concern. But, you know, but on the other hand, there are still stories of buyers playing the waiting game. And since yeah. Chrome is effectively the only cookie source that hasn't been switched off, some buyers are simply over-indexing to that platform and turning a blind eye to the Apple audience that's already long gone. So I think the savviest clients really are taking what they already know about their customers and, and modeling it to scale it in a post-ID world. You know, they're, they're kind of the overall picture is one where people understand change is coming and most clients are taking steps, maybe not as broadly as, as you know, we would advise. Um, and there's perhaps too much of an expectation of the walled gardens to, you know, to kind of um, support them uh, moving forward. Yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, I think those are the, I think, you know, taking that, taking that customer information, customer information and modeling that against, you know, I mean, there are other companies that kind of have similar solutions to Nano, but I think we are focused on intent uh, rather than identity because, you know, we think that that's actually what advertisers want to know about. They ultimately don't really focus on in, in identity itself. They want to know what someone's intent is. And our job really is to predict that based on content and past performance without identifying those users. Yeah. Yeah. And so for those brands that are not, let's say they're they're not as prepared as they should be, I would say probably most brands could be a little more prepared, even even those that are already fairly far along. But, you know, what, what do you, you touched on a few different things here. I mean, you know, one, to your point, Chrome still works, still supports cookies. So, um, you know, there's, there's a path forward for those still using them. You know, you mentioned a couple other things uh, as well, but, you know, what do you think is the, the biggest hurdle to brands being ready? Ultimately, I think it's knowledge and understanding of the problem and then, you know, proper investments in multiple solutions, because we're not going to have a single solution to this problem. I mean, you know, even, you know, though Chrome's kind of market share is in the, you know, depending on where you are in the world, let's say 50, approximately 50% plus or minus, then, you know, any solution that Google comes up with won't address half the market, for example. So, right. you know, I think it's about investing in multiple solutions. I mean, the main hurdle is that there's no direct or immediately scalable direct replacement for the cookie. And, you know, maintaining business as usual once cookies are switched off is just not, is just not an option. So I think, you know, brands and agencies need to, build strategies for utilizing and scaling their existing data, their first party data, explore new ways of kind of prospecting for customers and, you know, find ways of measuring and understanding the incremental success of their marketing activities, because don't forget, you know, measurement will be a challenge as well. And incrementality will start to be the, and the way in which um, there's a kind of incremental uh, success of a particular campaign will start to be the way in which, clients understand the problem yeah yeah definitely so the last topic i wanted to touch on was looking at this from the customer experience perspective and you know customers they you could say they they want their their cake or or their cookies (laughs) in in this case and to eat them too right so you know they want hyper personalized experiences i mean there's stat after stat about you know how important that is throughout the entire buyers and, and customer experience, but they also very much want data privacy, as I mentioned at the beginning. So both are important. And, you know, is it possible to achieve both and and do this well? Yeah, I mean, advances in contextual and live targeting hand in hand, I do think offer, offer the hope of, you know, a full privacy protection for, for customers. I think they're quite within their rights to want personalized experience and don't undermine their privacy. And I think as the technologies evolve and we're able to respond to impression level bid requests in very short spaces of time, you know, in our case, under 10 milliseconds, we respond to a, do we want to buy this single impression or do we not? Then that in that live, the ability to do that in a live environment with significant amounts of, of data that doesn't depend on identity, I think does make those personalized experiences possible and does mean that, you know, we're within the reach of a world where people don't feel they're being stalked around the internet to to sell them a pair of trainers. Right, right. 
So, um, you know, with with these shifts and with uh, you know a, a lot of brands, let's let's just say there's going to be some brands that procrastinate and are still kind of down to the wire when um, you know when things even more drastically change. Do you think yeah. that from a customer perspective? Are things going to get worse before they get better from a from a customer experience standpoint where brands are, even though they've had plenty of warning and Google may even keep delaying their their rollout of, of whatever they're rolling out. But, you know, do you, do you think that customers are going to suffer basically because of this um, or, you know, do you think that that for the most part, brands are going to get this working in, in, a, in a way that that either keeps things status quo or per- potentially improves in, in time. Yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic, actually. I, I, I think it's a real opportunity. You know, the, the whole signal loss trend that we've discussed here is, you know, is kind of centered upon the consumer and consumer rights in particular. Yeah. And I think it's a great opportunity for privacy to be put front and center of the digital ecosystem. You know, um, I think customers can see the great content that they kind of demand without feeling they're being followed. And I think as digital natives grow up, they're demanding that more than ever. And and they kind of literally see privacy as power. And I think we can embrace that as an industry. I think that we have the tools to be able to do that now, whereas, you know, five years ago, maybe we didn't. So it's a massive opportunity for the industry, really, and and, uh, just requires a little bit of thinking and a little bit of investment and, you know, a little bit of kind of patience. Uh, to develop those ideas, but it, in the long run, it could be a really good thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Well, Carl, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. I've got one last question before we wrap up here. So you've given some great advice already, but what's one piece of advice that you would have for brands that you know they may be a little bit late? They're they're those procrastinators, perhaps a little late to preparation for this post cookie world. Uh, what can they do today to make a first or a next step towards that goal? Uh, well, thanks for inviting me on, Greg. I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I, I think the advice would be to get under the hood, fully understand the technologies in your marketing and advertising. You know, start learning how to model and scale your data using some of the new approaches. You know, and kind of understand what worked and what didn't, and don't rely on identity and kind of profiling techniques. I mean, ultimately, don't think post cookie, think post ID. You know, and don't just depend on the walled gardens to give you the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Well, again, I'd like to thank Carl White, co-founder and group CEO at Nano Interactive for joining the show. You can learn more about Carl and Nano Interactive by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website, or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.